What happens when an Indian and a Pakistani meet in Canada? We rediscover our Desi ways. Welcome to a brand new series from the Across Her Table podcast, where I, Mifra Abid, and I, Mehreen Shahid, explore our quintessential South Asian roots and what it means to be a Desi in Canada. Mehreen and I met at our workplace. That means we're colleagues. But also very good friends. Yes, but the views expressed on this podcast are our very own. And that means we are not representing any organization here. Is that correct? Yeah, this is just <laughs> two Daisies having some fun. Hopefully a lot of fun in all the episodes that are coming your way. Absolutely. So Barry, let's talk about the premise of this podcast. Why we decided to start this and what we expect to do in the series. Sure. Yeah. Uh I think it was uh for me it was because when we first met we discovered that despite having grown up um across the border from each other we had a lot of similarities and it was it was a very pleasant discovery in my opinion because I could not have accessed this um per- perspective anywhere else. Yeah, because India is more than what Bollywood presents us with. <laughs> Although, you know, Bollywood is cool. <laughs> I promise you, we do not go around singing and dancing around trees. <laughs> Although, you know, come sometimes when we meet each other, we do greet, greet each other with song. <laughs> <laughs> we, do, we do a lot of dancing at weddings, for sure. Yeah. And literally every festival. However, it's very different from what you see on the screen. <laughs> I'm sorry if yeah. I'm disappointing you. We we don't change that many outfits. <laughs> <laughs> yes, correct. So you know what? When I when I moved to um, Canada, so I grew up in Saudi Arabia. So I was in contact with a lot of Pakistanis in terms of who are my neighbors and my dad's colleagues. And you know, basically, there was this diaspora. And when we were in Saudi Arabia, we looked for the Desi experience. You know, mm-hmm. anyone who spoke our language, who dressed like us, who ate like us, and so on and so forth. So it is less about whether you are a Pakistani or a Bangladeshi, or but more about who is a Desi. Yeah. So who is a Desi, Mitra? That is what we want to actually discover uh, in this podcast, because we use that term so easily. We fling it around all the time, the whole Desi experience. But we are actually trying to deconstruct the Desiness in our lives. Yeah, that's true. Um, actually, I did not consider myself so much of a Desi or I did not consider that I would become such a Desi or or value my Desi-ness so much until I moved to Canada. And that, sure. I think, is uh, what happens to most people when they move to a totally different culture and in, are living in a totally different environment. That's when they begin to realize their Desi ways and their Desi roots. Yeah, and and there's so much that we assume about another culture. And although we share a lot of similarities in our cultures, um, I know that, you know, to an outsider, we look almost identical. I know a lot of, (laughs) a lot of Arab people have asked me uh, when I was at school and I talked to some Pakistani moms and sometimes we go into Hindi slash Urdu and it's like, you guys are from different countries. How do you understand each other? (laughs) And 
you know, on Eid, we dress in the same sort of shalwar kameez. And again, some people are confused. Like, are they Pakistani? Are they Indian? What are mm-hmm. they? That's true. <laughs> and the similarities, it reminds me that you and I actually have a lot of similarities in our trage- trajectory in um in back in India, Pakistan, and then coming here into Canada. Because I started in, in Pakistan. I grew up in Pakistan and I came to Canada in 2011 and I was... Uh, a psychologist over there in Pakistan and I was teaching at a university but when I came here I switched fields and I went back to school to study journalism and I worked in the field for seven years before I moved over to the dark side which is uh, called communications and <laughs> that's how we met <laughs> the dark side yeah <laughs> mm-hmm. welcome to the dark side oh thank you I'm so glad I, I came to the dark side because I met you <laughs> yeah and Speaking of that, yes, you're right. Um, We have similar trajectories in the sense that even I was a lecturer in India and I did a whole 360 degrees, you know, shift as myself because I've come into this field that's just focused on equity, diversity and inclusion, which I never in my wildest dreams thought I could be doing. Mm -hmm. And so how are you liking this transition, this whole change? This transition to to Canada or to... To, In career ways. Oh, I love it. It's, it's just the best thing in the world. It wakes me up every day and it just keeps me going through the day. And I am, I so enjoy it. Amazing. Yeah. Amazing. So I hope you're enjoying it too. <laughs> I am. I am. I have a colleague like you, so we can get to crack Daisy jokes all the time. <laughs> there we go. That, that's not all we do though. <laughs> <laughs> yes. We work very hard. We just yes. party harder. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. And, you know, um, I get to live my dream of producing a podcast because I think it's very important that we we share this perspective about what it means to be uh, from a different cultural background and how do we then become a part of another culture. So Mm -hmm. I think that shows uh, an entirely different personality spectrum because we're resilient and we're adaptive and we're we're I think we're very smart as well because you know we <laughs> what do you, you know, think I don't when I was growing up I there's this movie in the 90s I think it was called American Daisy um and I didn't think much of it back then but the name kind of stuck on with me as like American Daisy what a unique concept like you're American but you're mm-hmm. also a Daisy um little did I know that I would be moving to the west you know and I would identify as a hyphenated Indian myself like you know yeah. like Canadian Daisy um and it's it's fun, like you know, you get to strag- straddle two cultures and you know, two linguistic um, worlds. Mm-hmm. Because I think a language brings its with itself a whole new culture altogether. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> so absolutely. And also the whole fact that even though we share so many cultural similarities, we still have certain assumptions about what happens on the other side of the border. <laughs> Definitely, we do. It, it's kind of like a very dark veil, um, very thick veil between uh, Pakistanis and Indians. And then, you know, when that veil actually is pulled aside, you're like, oh, you guys are exactly like us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, uh, you know, um, just yesterday, uh, Mehreen was showing me a Coke studio video. But what actually did confuse me that you showed me this video and I saw is Kathak, Pakistani Kathak dancer. Mm-hmm. And for the life of me, I never thought that Kathak as an art form was actually existent even in Pakistan. <laughs> oh, absolutely. You're absolutely right because uh, it's not as common and as popular as it is in India. 
And that's one thing that I always admired about India. I was like, oh my God, everybody there dances. <laughs> We do not, but I, I really hate to make that bubble, but <laughs> at least I do not. So yeah so i but i i really admired the whole the, the whole kathak and the bharatnatyam and all of the different dances that you have from all of the different states and provinces mm-hmm. because you were you were mentioning a friend of yours does odyssey odyssey yeah so and it's, that i think is entirely different it's entirely different i've been to one of her recitals and it's beautiful it's actually from the state of odisha mm-hmm. um and she was a professional uh dancer And wow. this is actually what we are hoping to cover in this series, um, yeah. our Desi ways, as we call mm-hmm. it. And we are going to cover some things like similar pop culture references, Bollywood, of course. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> um, growing up as a millennial in, yes. <laughs> in India and Pakistan and the kind of cultural influences that shaped us. And and our favorites, of course, food and family and mm-hmm. we're going festivals. to do oh yeah, festivals, yeah. celebrations, um, and I think all of that shapes who we are. Yep, how we, how we make sense of the world is through those lenses. Mm-hmm. I totally agree with you. Yeah, and I see that shift because when my kids um, view the world. they do it differently because they've not had the same cultural experiences as I did growing up. Mm-hmm. It's not just your past, but it also directs your present, you know, in a lot of ways. Definitely. I think where you're from kind of affects where you are headed to. you mentioned to me that you grew up in the middle east till i was 11 okay and, and so then, it, when we when people move to another country like just like when we immigrate to canada or to the usa we're always looking for those pockets of populations that that have more of us so that we can settle in a little more mm-hmm. easily and um that's why a lot of a lot of people will congregate around you know mississauga or in milton or, or oakville we have a we have a lot of pakistanis and indians in kitchener waterloo and uh, cambridge which is amazing mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah so um i think now we have so much of technology but way back in the 80s and 90s when you know we had limited, limited phone calls to back home um the the thing that kept us connected was uh, similar communities and video cassette parlors <laughs> so because you can access bollywood movies <laughs> it's a bit sketchy <laughs> well video cassette parlors yeah, okay now now they're definitely sketchy but back then they were fairly respectable <laughs> and you know the funny thing we used to actually get our indian um, entertainment from saudi arabia from like through the middle east um i think because we we didn't we weren't allowed to have anything imported directly from india so it would go from india to the middle east because there was a large indian population there mm-hmm. and from there pakistanis would buy it and then they would bring it back into pakistan it's funny that you mentioned it because all the video cassette parlors that i remember my dad visiting were always owned by pakistanis for some reason yeah. because because we wanted access right <laughs> and and the video cassette would have that label that sticker on it 
with the Hindi movie name written in mm-hmm. the Urdu script. Yeah. So I remember there was this uh, Sanjay that movie called Rocky and it was written in Urdu as Rocky and we didn't have trailers and YouTube back then. This guy just handed it this, okay, this is fresh. This is new. Uh, and we just took it. We didn't ask him who was in it or something like that. And we kept thinking, what does Rocky mean in either Urdu or, <laughs> or Hindi? And, you know, we put on this like, oh, you mean Rocky? <laughs> well, they wrote it incorrectly because they could have, uh, instead of writing it with the letter that's that's makes the sound of O, they should have written it with the, the letter that makes the sound of A. Yeah, that would be very American. It's like Rocky. <laughs> <laughs> Well, then you would have known immediately. <laughs> uh, no, I don't think so. We would have probably thought it, they're referring to Rocky, which is, again, a totally different concept. Well, that's true. I know. <laughs> we probably thought, okay, maybe Pakistanis don't know it's not Rocky, it's Rocky. So, okay. <laughs> uh, we would have still not figured out it was Rocky. Oh, <laughs> I, I tried. <laughs> But some of these, so I remember some of the names that of of the movies were very, very like they weren't in Hindi. They were very Urdu, so they were very familiar to me. So that's Urdu is the dominant language spoken in Pakistan, mm-hmm. and I suppose Hindi is the dominant language spoken in India. Uh, in at least the northern parts of India, not in the southern okay. parts. Okay, so not even in the eastern parts. Okay, because we, I remember like movies like. Shole and Fasle and now I can't even remember other movies but you know, I, they, these were, these were Urdu words and I thought like why <laughs> why are they producing this why are we not producing this <laughs> uh, you don't take Shole away from us ever like it's like masterpieces <laughs> I know that's true I can't damn it <laughs> so funny thing uh how did you react to some movies which were very very Hindi sounding names like Agni Pariksha, for example, that's like hardcore Hindi. Um, just based on the name, I actually didn't understand. Like when I was a child, I didn't understand what that name meant, but I just wanted to watch it because I wanted to watch the dancing. <laughs> yeah, just like Rocky, we didn't know what it was, but we wanted to yeah. watch it. <laughs> I was like, oh my, it must be good because, you know, it's coming from India. It must be. <laughs> It must be, it must have all of the required Bollywood elements. And it it pretty much did. Um, and you eventually you you're able to make the meaning of the name from by context. Mm-hmm. So you can tell that Ag- Agni means fire and Pariksha means an exam. Wow. So you can you can tell by the context. But you know, I never I was never like, oh my God, it's an Hindi sounding name. I'm not gonna watch this one. I have to give a full disclaimer to all our listeners that Marine is a far bigger Bollywood nerd than I can ever. <laughs> Which is not a very useful skill to have. You know, <laughs> I, thought, I can quote dialogue to you. <laughs> I thought I was a vintage Bollywood nerd till I met her because I'm so embarrassed. She's like, oh, did you watch this song by Ray Khan? It's like, no, I don't, I've never watched it. And she's like, what? You're useless Indian. <laughs> I mean, come on, Rekha. I can't believe you actually opened the YouTube channel and said, this is what I was talking about. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, because the Rekha, watching her dance was a very, a very big part of my life because that's what made me fall in love with Bollywood because you know the way that she was dressed up with all of her beautiful bling jewelry and all, <laughs> all of her beautiful bling 
costumes and all of the dance moves that she did. It was just amazing to me. I, I just wanted to be Rekha when I was growing up. I'm just curious and I want to check in actually here. What do you think the younger um, listeners are thinking when they hear these words? Because I'm sure Rekha is like really old for them. <laughs> really old. I don't know. That's a that's a good question. I don't know if they would know the current Bollywood stars either. I actually don't know the current Bollywood stars myself. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like now I think we have moved away from the superstar culture. It's more centered around... I. I hope I've not been in touch with Bollywood for a very long time, but I think it's more centered on plot lines and, you know, the cinematic experience rather than, you know, the whole movie banking on one star. Of course, that still happens in these cheesy ones with Akshay Kumar features in. I was going to say, I was going to say, <laughs> or, or what's his name? Uh, Ran- Ranveer Singh, right? That's Deepika's husband. Yeah. 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 Or, or what's her name? Oh my God. Pooja Bhatt's uh, Alia Bhatt. Yeah. So it's funny how we are referencing them to, you know, whatever relations they had from our <laughs> Her niece. <laughs> and next you will say like, oh, you know, that uh, Dharmendra's son or something. I don't know what that is. Yes. <laughs> son, you know, mm-hmm. that kid. He's not a kid anymore, but still. But it was Bollywood. Bollywood is, I mean, our similarities are way beyond Bollywood, right? I mean, we mm-hmm. were, uh, I'm pretty sure that we had the same food for for the same religious festivals um you know you and i both celebrate eid mm-hmm. which is uh which is well it's eid is this the name for both of the major islamic festivals one mm-hmm. that comes after ramadan and the other that comes three and a half is it three and a half or is it 90 days after 22 months and ten two days. two months and 10 days after uh the ramadan so we've we've celebrated those across the border from each other, but not knowing how the other celebrates it. And I, I would love to explore that more with you to find out what mm-hmm. what was it what was Eid Day like for all of you? Um there was biryani for sure. <laughs> <laughs> well, one thing that you mentioned to me was that we refer to both Eid differently. Like we mm-hmm. the, the small Eid what is what we call the Eid the one that yeah the one that's after Ramadan and the the big Eid is the one that we call Eid uh, that happened that happens the the two months and ten days after that because yeah so for us Eid al Fitr is a much bigger deal than Eid al Adha in India okay. like you know there are more fineries there's more uh, festive uh, environment and it's not that the second Eid or the Eid al Adha is not huge it's just that if you compare the two I would say the big Eid would be the first one and. I, I saw a lot of Pakistanis referring to the second Eid as the big Eid. And I was like, hmm, mm-hmm. interesting. That's a good question. I don't know why, because we have, we celebrate, there's more happening on Eid al-Fitr than there's happening on Eid al-Adha, mm-hmm. to be honest. So I don't know why we call that the small Eid and that the bigger Eid. Is it because That's you a- get three days of festivities with Eid al-Adha? Is that, is that the case? We get, we get three days off for both Eid mm. festivals. I don't know. I honestly, I have no idea. <laughs> maybe it's because it's connected with Hajj. Let me let me talk to my mother about this, and then when we come to that episode, you know, maybe she can shed some shed some light on that. Mm-hmm. So we got one day off for each of the Eids, so uh, we optimized. It's pretty much like the experience in Canada. <laughs> mm-hmm. However, in Canada, Eid is not a stat holiday. It is a stat holiday in India. 
Okay. So yeah, That's so good. it's a government holiday. All the banks will be closed and stuff like that. So we didn't have to put in a leave ever for Eid. That's good. Yeah. So that's good just, to know. I I just never thought that you would get a day off. No, it is uh, even Muharram. The tenth of Muharram is, I think, a stat holiday. Yeah. Really. Yep. And wow. Eid, and it, there's uh, some people who celebrate Eid Nabi, uh, Milad Nabi. I I don't Milad celebrate that, but I believe that's also a stat holiday. Yes. So though both those that you mentioned, like the ninth and tenth of Muharram, mm-hmm. ninth and tenth, we get two days off. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the, the Eid, Eid Milad Nabi for sure we get, or I can't be sure now. We used <laughs> to get a day off. So much has changed over the years, right? I mean, we used to get a day off when I was younger, but I can't remember if we do now. And I remember we used to celebrate it by lighting sparklers and just standing outside and lighting sparklers. <laughs> <laughs> That's what we did at Diwali time. <laughs> That's what Indians do at Diwali. We don't do it at Eid Nabi. And so, yeah, yeah, you have other festivals that we, as Punjabis, we celebrate that because Punjab got the province of Punjab or the the region that was uh, populated by Punjabis got split up. Mm-hmm. So we have Punjabis on Pakistan's side, mm-hmm. and you have Punjabis in in India as well. So we celebrate what you call Besakhi and what we call Basant, mm-hmm. which is basically a spring festival. Mm-hmm. So all of that. So, and I, I want to know about, you know, the food that you ate growing up and what was the experience like of being a girl in India, a Muslim girl in India? That's, I want to know a little bit about that too. Whoa, that's, like, <laughs> that's heavy duty. <laughs> that is heavy duty, especially considering how the, how India is for Muslim girls today. Um, yeah. It's a very scary place to be a Muslim girl today in India. Mm-hmm. Sadly, uh, you know, it's it's horrific. Uh, but I had it relatively easier. Everything was much better seven years ago, I guess. <laughs> right. This is not a political podcast, but then that's how I personally feel. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and talking about festivities, though, India has is very multicultural. So we have like so many different ethnicities and religions. And so I think we are, we've got most number of stat holidays in the world. I would like, imagine. Yeah. Cause you, what was it that you once said to me, you have 26 languages. I'm sure it's more than that, wow. <laughs> but it's at least 26 official. That's pretty mind. That's pretty mind blowing. I'm, you know, we're not even talking about dialects here because you know, some dialects are so huge. They could actually count as languages in themselves. Wow. Um, like the Bhojpuri dialect of Hindi has mm-hmm. its own film industry. Oh my god! <laughs> yeah, it has, and it's it's quite popular from what I hear. Like they are like huge Bhojpuri stars, and uh, they come on Big Boss, and apparently people start rooting for them. I mean, I'm not so much into pop culture uh, lately, but uh, that's what I keep hearing from my from others. So now this is interesting too because you have Big Boss. We also have Big Boss because I think at some point. Hollywood realized that there's a huge market we're missing out on if we don't <laughs> if we don't actually take our stuff there. Mm-hmm. And so they've started taking stuff there, right? Netflix though still hasn't come to Pakistan. I don't know really? how that's going to come about, but I know that India produces a lot of Netflix content and some of yeah. it is really good. Even Amazon also, Prime. Oh yeah, I'm sure. Um because you know it's a huge industry already that exists there, so why not just take your platform there and uh, give them some money?
also want to want to talk to you about weddings. How do you guys celebrate weddings? Because we have like never ending weddings. Yeah, you've have you watched Mopgate Gone, haven't you? <laughs> oh, yeah, okay. Well, no, but that's 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 an uh, that's a Hindu wedding, though. I want to I want to know what the Pakistan not the Pakistan but the Muslim wedding I, is I, like in India. Hmm. It's it's very diverse, you know. Like uh, it's very diverse, I could say, because we, within our own friend circle, different people celebrate it very differently. Like some people have very large scale weddings, and our family tended to gravitate towards smaller scale weddings and more subdued okay. weddings. So, yeah, we're the boring folks. So, <laughs> <laughs> I totally we don't even dance. <laughs> <laughs> so it's interesting that you mentioned Hamap Kahankon, which is, uh, by the way, for anybody that doesn't know, um, it's one of the biggest like highest grossing movies yeah. ever in out of Bollywood that movie had a huge influence on the Pakistani wedding industry really oh it was unbelievable people started doing because I remember back in the 80s when my my uncles aunts and everybody that's the one generation up from me was getting married we used to have a number of different events, you know, we used to have the, the Mayo. Oh yeah. So I, when I came to Canada, that's when I heard the word Mayo and we call it Haldi, I guess. Yes. It's the same concept. Exactly. It's the same concept. And then we have the Mehdi, which is the Henna. Mm -hmm. And then we have the Barat and then we have the Valima. Yeah. I think we should ask, you know, listeners to send in their feedback about how are things done today? Uh, what has changed? And that'd be really interesting, you know, to see how, you know, like how things, every decade has its own trends and, you know, cultural ways of doing things. Like I, I think uh, culture is also de- decade specific, yeah. time specific. Uh, things change. And we know that, you know, uh, South Asia as a region is evolving at a very rapid pace. Mm-hmm. Um, it's growing at a very rapid pace. It's evolving culturally also at a very rapid pace. I think, um, we always had our own pop culture, but then now it's getting more global appeal mm-hmm. in a sense. Like like Netflix, for example, I'm sure people watch um, Indian shows uh, with subtitles, even those yeah. who don't speak the language for that matter. Uh, yeah, so it, it'll be interesting to see how everything is so fluid and how things are very different from what we remember when we were in India or Pakistan. Yeah. <laughs> so just just to clarify, though, Hamap Khan, I think, came out in... 94. Like 94, right? So when I say Hamap Gehenkon had a huge influence, by then, and by, by 94, we'd kind of tapered off all of those extra events. But when Hamap Gehenkon came out, and it's basically a movie about a wedding that's taking place and all of the events that are associated with the wedding, we actually went back to celebrating more events because <laughs> we because we were like oh this is so much fun let's do this <laughs> yeah yeah I growing up I don't remember ever attending a healthy ceremony till I was a teenager again in the post Hamap Gankon era when mm-hmm. it became fashionable you know to have and then now we have like things like Tolki and Sangeet and absolutely we do the same we have a Kavali night anyway the and the un- other thing that I want to talk about this is us all growing up but how do you or what's what's aging like in India? Oh man. <laughs> I think we should do we should do a whole episode on you know the concept of aging. <laughs> yeah. Um a lot about that. I wanna I wanna talk a lot about that. And of course, I also want to talk to you about how do people in India respond to something like the pandemic? 
oh, you're <laughs> opening some Pandora boxes out there. <laughs> so, so largely uh, in India, they think the pandemic is just a concept in your head. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty much the same in Pakistan. They're like, oh, um, is there something there? Okay, maybe there is, but maybe there isn't. <laughs> and in India, it's like, oh, we have more people dying every day on the streets than what the pandemic can possibly kill us. So, yeah. uh, you know, in terms of numbers. So, yeah, <laughs> we got this. Yeah, we got this. We did get. Yeah. So, yeah. And all of these other interesting things that I, I have a whole list of things. So uh, we're I, I want to talk about the whole um, idea of inviting someone for dinner. Oh, my God. It's on a, a social. Production. <laughs> and the, the intricate social protocols that surround that one invitation you know what I, I think I think we both know someone who would be perfect for this and let's let's just have a secret out there now that we're going to have a guest to talk about organizing um like a dinner or, yes. or, or a lunch for for people a dawat as it's yes, known a dawat it is so it is so um carefully planned out that there are actually restaurants and wedding halls which are called Tawat. That of course. Yeah. <laughs> there is a basmati rice brand that's called Tawat, which is very popular in Canada. <laughs> so maybe mm. because we make so much rice at our Tawats. Yeah, it's easy, right? I mean, it's it's a filler, it's easy. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm I'm really surprised, like, you know, when you talk about, you know, a three-course meal and when you invite somebody uh, in the Western context, it's like, like one salad and one main course and one dessert. And, and we'd be like, okay, that all is just starters. <laughs> yeah, anytime that I um, talk about my, like, if I t- tell my parents, I'm having people over for dinner. And so my mom's like, so what are you cooking? So if I tell her, oh, it's just going to be casual, you know, with we're probably just going to have some salad and I'm going to make one curry dish or one main dish. And then we're just going to have rice. And she's like, that's it. (laughs) How are you going? How are you doing that? That's not proper. You should have at least three dishes. (laughs) Tell Ma, I don't have three maids at my bidding here. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. We should do a whole episode on domestic help. Sure. Yeah. Like, you know, the whole culture of having domestic help back home. Um, again, I remember when I came to Canada and I, I was talking to some moms on the bus stop and I said, uh, well, we had a maid uh, or two maids in, in India. I said, oh, OK. Uh, so did she come like once a week? I said, no, both of them came every day for three hours. And said, what did they do? I said, well, the laundry and folding and cooking and cleaning. And she's like, why did you come to Canada again? Like, why? Why? <laughs> I think yeah, I know. I know I'm stupid. <laughs> yeah, we have live we have live-in help in Pakistan. Uh, that's that's for people who can afford it. That's the that's the thing to do. I mean, you don't have to be rich to to afford um, a maid. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, for someone that comes in part time or for a few hours a day, or yeah. you know, once a week. Yeah, for sure. I also want to talk about parent-child equations. Oh my god. Yeah, so, I mean, you could be 50 in a Desi household and you still talk to your parents the way you did when you were 10. And I think that's going to be a whole together, a whole discussion altogether. Yes, uh, I can definitely, yeah. My mother constantly says this to me. No matter how old you get, you're still a child. So shut up and listen <laughs> to what I'm saying. <laughs> 
Yeah. And, and we could also in that episode discuss about, you know, how we don't send our parents to long-term care homes. Yeah. And, 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 you know, during the pandemic, the long-term care homes became the center of so many conversations and mm-hmm. the Desi folks are like, our parents are living with us. So we are safe. You know, at least there was a sense of security when this pandemic broke out. So, you know, there's one thing that I noticed, which was odd about, um, about, about Canada. Mm-hmm. Everything closes at 6 p.m. Oh, yeah. Oh, Even yeah. Even in summer. <laughs> and in Pakistan, at least in the bigger urban centers, things just, uh, you know, are started getting started at 6 p.m. In India, it's not even the urban centers, even the small towns, um, the bazaars come to life after sundown. Right. So uh, that's, I want to, I want to find out more about that and how, what was it like shopping in India? And there are no bedtimes (laughs) in Pakistan. There's always always something open. There's there's always an eatery open at any time of the day that you can go to and get yourself food from. Yes. Every time of the night as well. I remember my grandfather sometime leaving at 11 PM saying, Oh, I'm just going to hang around with my, my, the old people in the neighborhood. We're going to have chai at the local Taba. We used to call it tapri. I don't know. I don't know if you use that term. And we use Taba. (laughs) And it was pretty commonplace, you know, it wasn't like out of the ordinary, like, Oh, my granddad's going up. First of all, it was so crowded. There was never any fear of him getting lost. (laughs) anywhere because everything was lit literally lit with neon lights all the way to the top from their house so absolutely yeah you're absolutely right I mean it there's always there are always cars on the road and there are always people in uh in in all of these markets and there there are always lights on yeah and you know what's the whole deal with everybody prefers like bright white lights at home in India yeah. If you see a lot of daisies or at least Indian daisies in Canada, the, when they buy a house, they first change all the lights. So they go from soft lighting, you know, yellow lighting to white lighting. And I've seen so many of my neighbors who move that, in. I, I haven't noticed that, but that's a very good point. So whenever someone new moves into a neighborhood and if you, in a few days, if you see the lights change, my husband's like, oh, that's a daisy family <laughs> right there. They're not going to have any patience with these yellow, soft focus lights. No can do. We need bright you know, sharp in your face lighting. Yeah, I don't know what that what that what that's all about, but that's a that's an interesting observation. I've asked people about this who've switched their lights and this like, well, it's so dark in all of winter. <laughs> the least we can do is make your house bright and brilliant and <laughs> there you go. That's your answer because we have so much sunlight in Pakistan and India. I think it's because well most of the most of the parts of Pakistan and India have a lot of sunlight. So when when they move here, these months are very dark and depressing, and oh, yeah. you you definitely do need brighter lights around you. Yeah, and I I don't think I'll ever get used to daylight saving ever. <laughs> it messes up my brain for a full forty eight hours before I can set into any sort of routine. Uh, for forty eight hours, I'm like in a haze. What time is it? What time is it? <laughs> Yeah, in, in India, Pakistan, we're like, uh, just doesn't matter. Whatever the time is, we'll do whatever we want to do whenever we want to do. <laughs> <laughs> no, but still, you know, like, uh, I think it messes up the Muslim brain even further because we have time-based prayer t- uh, prayer slots. Yeah. So one day your prayer time is at five and the next day it's four and your brain goes in a whole tizzy like, 
okay, am I supposed to pray like one hour before or one hour after? And then in March, the same thing happens all over again. And I hate it. I don't think I'll ever get used to it. Well, you can move to Alberta where they have gotten rid of it. No, thanks. (laughs) (laughs) I I will make peace with this. Okay. This is episode one of Our Lazy Ways, and there's so many more coming up as we just touch upon some of the topics that we want to talk about and discuss and dive deep into. So stay tuned. Yeah, and let us know what you think and uh, if there are any questions that you have about Our Lazy Ways. Yeah, or anything that you would like us to cover in Our Lazy Ways. There you go. Let's stop <laughs> saying that now. <laughs>